Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Sedona, Arizona with my good friend Lisa Peterson of WealthClinic.com. She fell in love with the area on a business trip and came back to explore more of the area. Eventually, she bought land and moved to Sedona after taking her daughter to college. The area is beautiful and safe, and the hiking is incredible. In this episode, Lisa and I talk about climbing Cathedral Rock, exploring Subway Cave, and having fun at the Talakipaki Art and Shopping Village. Hear about these three amazing experiences, plus a whole bunch more. If you know someone that wants to visit Arizona, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Lisa's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Sedona. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Liam. So happy to be here. Today, we're talking about a city called Sedona, Arizona, and it's a place that I've been to a, a number of times growing up. My cousin got married there the first time, and and uh, I have a lot of happy, fond memories, and I'm really excited to talk to you and learn more about it so the next time I go, I can explore it a little bit more fully. So what's your connection to Sedona? I had come, I think, maybe in the late 90s for a business meeting, and I didn't get to totally soak up all that Sedona had to offer but it made me curious enough to go back. And my husband and I had taken my daughter off to college in 2015 and we sold everything and we took my son out of school and we decided that we were going to kind of live in some different places. And one of the first places we visited was Sedona. At the time, we weren't sure we were going to actually live there, but we were so excited about it. We ended up buying some land and began the journey of, of moving to Sedona. We actually went to Hawaii for several months and, and then really officially decided it was going to be Sedona. And we went back and bought a house. Wow. That's so amazing. I mean, it's like actually talk about dichotomy between, you know, the wet and like tropical <laughs> Hawaii versus, you know, dry and deserty like Sedona. Although, you know, people think of Arizona, it's like, oh yeah, it's all desert, but actually Sedona is like up kind of in the mountains and it's got a little bit more of a milder climate than what you normally think about when you think of Arizona, right? Most definitely. There's Flagstaff, which is like north by an hour and it's got like the big trees and it's more of a, you know, mountain town feel. And so it's so weird to have Sedona, which is kind of its own special unique place where it's very treed, it's very um, green and beautiful. And I think it's cool to have all these different places that you can go within a couple hours of each other in Arizona. That's pretty amazing. So speaking of that, as far as like the weather, you know, like we said, it's probably a little bit more temperate with all the other green trees and everything like that. What's the weather like throughout the year? And, and are there any like festivals that happen throughout the year? Maybe somebody wants to plan their trip around attending one of those. 
So Sedona's at an elevation of about 4,500 feet, which means that it doesn't get as hot as Phoenix. Like if Phoenix is 115, Sedona might be in the late in the high 90s at that point. So 10 to 20 degrees difference. And we really appreciate it in the summer. But in the bridge seasons, right? So that's September to November. And what would that be? Late February to early May. It is the most perfect (laughs) weather (laughs) possible where, I don't know if it's, you know, 70s to 80s, but you're so happy. You just want to never leave or you wish that it would (laughs) never change. And then we do get winter where we can have some snow, uh, maybe, you know, one time, maybe five times, but it never sticks around for very long. And it's absolutely gorgeous because Sedona is filled with these red rocks. And so you get the white snow and the red rocks and you've never seen anything more beautiful than that. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm picturing it in my head. I haven't seen actual pictures of it with uh with the snow, but I'm picturing it because I know those red rocks, and I'm sure like they really stand out against that white snow. Yeah, the other big thing that we're known for, and I didn't have appreciation for it until I lived there, is the monsoons that hopefully happen in July and August, and you've just never seen so much rain come down in a short amount of time, but. It is absolutely gorgeous because it actually feels like you're living in Hawaii. So it makes the air humid and, you know, it's hot, but then it cools down because of the rainstorm and then it's just gorgeous and it smells really good. So monsoons, you know, watching the lightning and the rain and all the activity happen, it's pretty intense. And I I would think that some people just go there to experience the monsoons because it's so gorgeous. No, absolutely. That sounds pretty amazing. Now, as, as far as like the, any of the festivals, I know there's a lot of like arts and, and crafts, like, you know, people that are way more skilled than I am at, at this. Uh, I know there's a lot of that kind of in that area as well, right? Yeah, there's a lot of art galleries in Sedona, but they often have art festivals. I am trying to think of the different times in the fall. There's a plain air festival. There are other art festivals. It's just a kind of a always something going on, whether it be on a street, you know, where there's a small art show or really big ones. But I actually think that it's more exceptional that you wouldn't find some kind of art show going on in Sedona than, you know, when there's nothing happening. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, if, if people are planning their trip and they want to come up there to Sedona, is there an airport there or do people fly into like Phoenix and then drive up? How does that work? Yeah, the the two airports is the Phoenix Sky Harbor, which is about two hours away. And then Flagstaff also has a smaller airport. And so I always encourage people to look at the options. But Sedona is a place that is far easier to navigate with a car. So, you know, it's most likely going to be less expensive to get a ticket into Phoenix because it's such a bigger airport, rent a car, drive the two hours to Sedona, and you're going to be happy because you need a car to get around. But some people will take a shuttle as well from Phoenix to Sedona. I don't think there's a shuttle or not such a common shuttle from Flagstaff to Sedona. Sure, that makes a lot of sense, especially with um, when you're thinking of fl- you know flying into that, that smaller airport versus like the bigger airport of Phoenix. Yeah, you may be able to find a flight into Flagstaff, but by the time you make the connections and you wait for the your ec- extra flight and everything else like that, you would have already been in the car and, and actually arrived 
in Sedona before you did all that extra flights all the way to Flagstaff. Totally. And I have tried over the years to fly in and out of Flagstaff. And sometimes it's great. But once ta- one time I was going to a wedding and you know, you only had so much time to get there. And I, they, there was a problem with a flight and I was like, oh my gosh, if I had just gone out of Phoenix, there were so many options, but I might miss this wedding because of the flight being, you know, there being a problem with the airline and reconfiguring everything. Oh yeah. You don't need all that, all that drama in your life for sure. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, so say we fly into Phoenix, we, we drive up, uh, and everything. Now, as far as like our hotel in Sedona, are there certain areas that you recommend or certain hotels that you recommend? Like personally, a lot of times I like staying at using my miles and points to be able to stay at some of these like more branded hotels. But I know that you know, especially in areas like Sedona, where there's just all this picturesque beauty, sometimes it's those boutique hotels or the mom and pop shops that have the best views. Yeah, we have a big array of hotels starting, you know, at the top of the most expensive, like Enchantment or L'Auberge de Sedona, you know, very boutique, high-end, amazing destination experiences. And then all the way to, um, you know, mom and pop, small little boutique hotels. One is around the corner from me called the Sunset Chateau. And, um, it's like a bed and breakfast and you have these gorgeous views, but we do have, you know, Hilton and, um, Hyatt and timeshares. Hilton operates the Los Abrogados resort. There's a spa there that I work out as it. It's also my gym. And I love that place because it's just, they have a like heated saltwater pool and a jacuzzi. And I think it's, it's great for people who have Hilton points because they can go and stay there or you can just use it as a hotel and get access to their spa when you stay there. And I think it's quite affordable. I think that's where my my cousin used to, my, well, my uncle, he owned a timeshare or something. Somehow he, he we stayed at the Los Abargados a lot. I remember the name because it was just kind of like a fun word to say. You know, <laughs> I have no idea what it means in Spanish, but my wife could probably tell me. But I, it's just like a fun word to say. And we used to stay there a lot. My cousin actually would do a lot of like, Christmas lights every year for, I guess, like competitions back then and, and everything. And it was just like really cool uh, being a kid and just walking around seeing all the Christmas lights there. It, that was a lot of fun. The cool thing about Los Abrogados is it's centrally located and it's right next to this kind of artsy, craftsy community called Talakapaki, another funny word to say, <laughs> but it has restaurants and shops and concerts or different things going on, especially around Cinco de Mayo. They have tons of activities and dancing and it's really action-packed place to visit, to shop and to eat at. And so it's it's just like right there at Los Abrogados. And so I think that makes it also really attractive because people like to just go to one place and you can walk to tons of restaurants from that central location. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so now we're saying we got our we got our hotel, and we you mentioned earlier about like some of these like beautiful red rocks that are that are out there in the distance. I know hiking is a big thing while you're while you're there visiting Sedona. I think that's probably a lot of the reasons why people come there. Uh, what are some of like your favorite hikes or, or some of the the different attractions that we should look at doing when we're visiting? Number one, probably the most popular hike is Cathedral Rock, and it's gotten so busy that. 
Sedona has implemented a system where you can park in certain locations and take a trolley that takes you to those really popular destinations like Cathedral Rock. So just wanted to mention that. I don't think you can park at the rock anymore, but it's absolutely gorgeous. It's used in lots of the logos. It just has such a distinctive look to it. And you can walk up to the saddle between several red rocks and you have a view of all of Sedona, both sides of this, you know, it looks like a cathedral, right? A natural cathedral. It's absolutely breathtaking. But other places that that are really popular, Devil's Bridge is probably 20 minutes away from cathedral. Everything is very centrally located. That's the other cool thing is you're not, other than traffic, you can go to pretty much any of the hikes with a drive of maybe 30 minutes in any direction. And try them out. But Devil's Bridge is uh, one of those natural occurring, you know, arches. So you get to walk out and take a picture where it looks like there's nothing underneath you. And people are really freaked out if they're afraid of heights, but it's really (laughs) cool. And the hike isn't too bad. There are several Jeep tours that will drive you to the basin and then you just have to walk up to it. But um, there's so many destinations and so many hikes. I could talk for hours, which is is why I think a lot of people come is they just want to get outdoors and they want to enjoy this very temperate place, especially in those bridge season. No, absolutely. You know, there's, there's some of us that are adventurous and we'll just like get the jump in the car and and drive and figure it out. But for those that a lot of times people, you you and I aren't in this situation anymore where they're in corporate America and they have like a limited amount of vacation. They got to hurry up and try to cram everything in. So getting a, a, a Jeep tour or one of those tours kind of helps maximize your time and get you to all the different spots there. Do you have any recommendations as far as different companies that can do those type of tours? Pink Jeep tours is by far the most popular and they're pink Jeeps, you know, can't miss them. And they have great, they, they take you to all the popular destinations. The cool thing too is I think when you work with one of these companies, you'll go into their office and you'll see all the choices. You'll get pictures. You'll be able to decide like which are the ones that I want to see and how many can they include like in one trip because sometimes you'll get multiple places that they're going to take you to. But I I do think that that's a great way. And especially when you have children and they're only going to walk so far, which you know, we yeah. all know <laughs> if you get them on the, on the, the Jeep tour, they're going to get you a lot closer than in, in many cases, like with cathedral rock, there is no closer. So everyone's going to walk the same distance, but, um, for many like devil's bridge, it's a really long walk. If you try to do it without a tour, whereas if you have the, the Jeep, it takes you out a couple miles and you can skip all of that walking and it's so much more enjoyable. Oh, for sure. And and the other thing is like, it's not like you're walking on a paved road, you know, you're walking on either, you know, the dirt or rocks and those type of things. So it, it makes it feel that much harder and that much longer. And, and you get that much more tired when you are you know, doing some of those type of trails like that. Most definitely. So one of the other trails that I saw, it was, I guess there's, there's a hike from Boynton Canyon to Subway Cave. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is a really popular one. So I mentioned Enchantment Resort is a really special place, and it's actually in this canyon called Boynton Canyon. And the hike takes you through this gorgeous Red Rock Canyon, through the trees. Um, Some of it's shady, some of it's exposed. You can see the Enchantment Resort, which has been very well 
painted red, you know, and it doesn't stand out. And they've tried really to keep the integrity of the area. But the other thing that happens on that trail is there's several ruins along the way. And also when you get to um, Subway Cave, which if you look up on the internet, type in Subway Cave, Sedona, you'll get to see pictures. I'm sure we're sharing some of those things here, but it's a really special special treat. And even when you get there, there's kind of offshoots that you can do where you'll see petroglyphs and you'll see some of the ruins and the ruins are, you know, these houses that the Native Americans lived in, you know, 800 plus years ago. It's really breathtaking to see these because they're in many cases well-preserved and um, pretty magical. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I, it's one of those things that I like being able to take my kids, you know, obviously vacations for fun, but also I want them to kind of be able to learn along the way and being able to see some of those you know, petroglyphs and, and ruins and everything like that, I think helps like cement what they're learning at school into their brain a little bit better because they're actually seeing it in real life, you know, kind of understanding like this is what the Indians and the, the original settlers, this is the type of things that they were doing back in the day. And it's not just all cars and buses and, and everything like that that we have access to today. Yeah. I come from California and I was blown away when we moved here that so many things were so well-preserved and cared for and still in these conditions. Like at one point we go to a lot of the runes. My husband's become completely obsessed and he's found more than 200 runes and he's just getting started. Like they're all over, but you kind of learn where they're situated and then you go looking for them because it's not like a map is going to say, this is where all 200 or 300 of them are. But one time we were at one and I found like an arrowhead and, and they're artifacts of the ceramic pieces of the ceramic bowls that are still on the ground. And you'll find they used to chew yucca plant and it was kind of like gum, but they would put it at the top of the roof of the mouth, maybe something which would help them go without water for longer. I'm not sure. But those pieces of what they chewed and what would go into the top of the roof of the mouth are still like hanging out on the rocks. And people are really respectful. We always want to make people to be respectful of leaving that stuff there. The other thing is like corn, little teeny corn on the cobs that are all the way back, like 800 year old sitting there. And I wasn't used to that kind of thing. Like maybe in a museum, you would see that in California, but here there's just been um, a lot of attention to like leaving things and people have been respectful of that. And so I was just blown away that my kids could see that kind of stuff and be a part of it still today. That is so cool. I, I love the the preserving history aspect of things. You know, there's there's so much of like, you know, as we move into bigger cities, it's like wipe it away and put that new cement foundation and build it on up, you know, and being able to be in a little bit more uh, less populated area allows them to leave those places undisturbed. And that way, more and more people are going to be able to see it and enjoy it firsthand versus seeing it behind glass at a museum. Yeah. We've heard stories of people st still finding like completely preserved pots that were made, you know, like many hundreds of years ago. So they're still finding things in some different places here. That's remarkable. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that when we're looking at things to do when we're, we're out there, you know, kind of speaking of doing things in the outdoors is, uh, is mountain biking, I guess is like, a, is a big thing in that area as well. Right. 
Yeah, there's a mountain bike festival in February or March, depending on what year. And mountain biking is huge here. It is not for the faint of heart because we have cactus and we have rocks. And so <laughs> I've been mountain biking, but it's it's not, I am not super aggressive. I'm in my 50s. I would like to not break any bones if possible. And it's easy to break bones here. But for those who love mountain biking, it is just about as good as it gets. Like it's amazing. The views and the trails. Well, that's really awesome. Yeah. Whether I'm at the doctors or out and about anytime I'm around sharp objects, I kind of, you know, like you know, <laughs> ease off the gas a little bit, right? It's like, ah, let's just keep those over there. I'm going to keep my skin puncture free, you know, and just be happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things that when I've traveled to Sedona before is I also understand that there's like a really good, like food culture there as well. Like there's like a lot of great restaurants uh, that have some of the local flavors and that kind of embrace the, the different local customs, as well as the kind of like some new flavors as well. What type of restaurants are, are there and, and what do you recommend? Yeah, we have wonderful restaurants. I could probably eat at a different restaurant every week at least and not go to all of them. There's that many great restaurants. Some of my favorite, Mariposa, which is owned by Lisa Dahl. Lisa Dahl is this incredible restaurateur. She's gone up against Bobby Flay. She's been on the Food Network. She owns several restaurants in West Sedona and also Village of Oak Creek, which is right next door. But Mariposa is her flagship restaurant. So if you're wanting to go like big when and really do it up, not only is it situated in a full panoramic, you know, view of the Red Rocks because of where it's located, the food is spectacular. It's Latin inspired. Um, they have vegetarian. They have incredible steaks. You know, they have just the most, it's worth it just to pop in and see like their bar and their restaurant and their views. People will go up there to take like senior photos, you know, or prom photos because it's <laughs> so beautiful. But that is one option. Another really, really popular that can take months to get a reservation at, just saying, like you plan ahead when you're coming to go to Elote. And Elote only serves dinner and you can book through open table, but I will book at least quarterly and they're known for their sauces. It's a Mexican inspired restaurant with just creative sauces, moles, different brisket and fish dishes. And oh my gosh, it's making me hungry just thinking about it. Like nothing is bad there. It's all perfect and wonderful, um, but it, it is really popular. And then the last would be the Hudson, which is a more modern, um, just one of those restaurants that everyone's going to be happy. Like you're going to find a dish for every different appetite and more just American popular food that people will find something, whether it be salad or steak or burgers, everything they do is great. All three of those options just sound absolutely wonderful, especially like you know, Mariposa there. I mean, it's one thing to have great food, but also accentuate that with like with the great views. And that's like just like a perfect situation there for, especially for like a date night or something like that. Yeah. And Hudson too, they have a great view. It's not quite as spectacular as Mariposa, but it's definitely beautiful and perfect for like sitting outside and looking up at the red rocks. You get all of that there. Oh, sure. Sure. Now, where would we go for like a, like a good breakfast? Like, you know, obviously if you're going to be out on some of these hikes and everything like that, you know, you're going to be working up a sweat. Uh, where would you go for like a good breakfast to make sure you, you got enough energy for the day? Okay. couple options. 
the coffee pot restaurant has been around for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years, super popular, incredible selection of omelets, really worthwhile. But if you're going to do that, you need to go early. Like this is the, you know, go whatever time they open because it's so popular. It's hard to get parking, but highly recommend it. Another kind of off the beaten path where you're wanting to grab and go, or you wanting to get incredible pastries. I'm a total pastry nut is Layla's. Um, they have scones and they have croissants and they have banana bread and they also have sandwiches. So for breakfast or for lunch, it's a really, really yummy place. And it's kind of on the way to Boynton and to Devil's Bridge. Like it's on the way you just stop off. And there's one more actually called Local Juicery. And so it's a vegan juice bar, but they make the most amazing smoothies and salads to go. But they have a smoothie called Mint Chip. And you would never in a million years believe that you're not drinking a Mint Chip milkshake, but they've used spinach and mint and cacao and maybe banana. I don't know. But it's like, how can this be so good for you and taste so yummy? Yeah. Usually those are like two opposites. You, you get you get to choose one. Which one do you want? You want it to taste <laughs> good or you want it to be good for you, right? <laughs> yeah. So when you can find it both in one 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 spot, that's uh, that's perfect. Now, uh, speaking of something good and, and tasty like that, you know, obviously sometimes you're out on those trails, it's like hot or, you know, if I'm traveling with my kids, they, they've been good. And so I want to reward them with a little sweet treat. Where would we go for like some ice cream or like a, like a chocolate candies or, you know, something like that. Sweet treats. So Layla's is a great option. They make cookies there. We also have a place, acai bowls are popular. So there's one, they have that at local juicery, but there's another place and I'm forgetting the name of it. A berry, berry delight, something like that. I'll give you, I'll, I'll find the link. And in Talakapaki, they have a wonderful suite and a couple different ones. And I can also give you the links of those. But Talakapaki has cakes and I'm not sure if they have, yeah, they have ice cream and other things like that. Lots of good options. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good. You want to be able to reward the kids when they're, when they're acting the right way, you know? So plus this way I get to have some ice cream myself. <laughs> well, right on. Well, Lisa, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for Sedona. I learned so much, even though I've been there a handful of times, I don't know that I've been and done hardly anything that's on this list. So that's really awesome. I get to have a new experience the next time I go. Uh, now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Sedona, where should they go and what should they eat? I would say Hudson. If you're not doing it big with Mariposa and Elote, you don't have reservations, then Hudson, you can get reservations a day or two ahead. And my favorite dish there is the steak and blue salad. Get a little bit of everything. Right on. Yeah. You can always tell your doctor, hey, look, I had a salad. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you don't have to mention the steak part, right? <laughs> okay. So I know just from, you know, from the very beginning of the, this episode, you talked about like you were just enthralled with Sedona from like the very first time you visited here. And, and obviously that, that resonated with you so well to be able to come back and make it your home. I'm sure you've had a lot of great stories. What's one of the most memorable? I would say the most memorable happens for me. I run retreats in my business and having people come, a group of people. And and there are a lot of options for retreats in Sedona, but the most memorable experience is when 
people come here and experience it in a group. And a lot of what I do is helping people better understand themselves and what's most important to them and what are their values and are they living into their values. And there's something about Sedona where a group of people come together and the energy is very intense. You're filled with this awestruck, you know, sense in inside just by looking at the red rocks. And it opens people up and people seem to make friends with folks, you know, like-minded people looking at wanting to be in a beautiful place and wanting to eat beautiful food and wanting to make like-minded friends. And so for me, the most magical experiences are when I've brought people together to be in Sedona for three or four days and just immerse themselves in not just the beauty, but also the beauty outside, but also discovering the beauty inside. Yeah, that's really amazing. There's nothing like you know, being part of building those communities and building those friendships. That's really awesome. So uh, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Sedona? I have to say Picasso's is pretty special. And it's it's a local hangout because you know a lot of people don't realize that they do it. But, and I think it's a longer, it's like 3, maybe 3 to 6 p.m., but they have a great selection. Picasso's is, they have gluten-free pizza, but you'd never know that it was gluten-free. It's better than normal. And they do just the best appetizers and really great selection of beer and wine, all part of their happy hour. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm normally not a, that much of a fan of the gluten-free. I, I'm like, give me all the gluten you got, you know? <laughs> but uh, But sometimes, you know, people make it so good that, you can't even tell the difference. And, uh, you know, as I'm getting older myself, you know, it's like, it's nice to be able to throw in a few, uh, good things for you too, you know, while you're, while you're reading and drinking. So speaking of that, I always check out the local pizza whenever I travel. So where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Sedona? Pizza Lisa is owned by Lisa doll. And that is a really popular place to eat, but I am going to be like, a horrible guest and tell you that we actually like Domino's in Sedona. (laughs) No, it's just like sacrilegious to someone who loves pizza, but we have tried many of the pizza places and Domino's delivers like the goods. So yeah, we'll give them both options. Pizza Lisa for a high-end, beautiful pizza experience. And then if you're on a budget and you got the kids and lots of kids to feed, our Domino's in Sedona makes awesome pizza. Yeah, it's 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 hard to argue with like you know getting that consistency right. You know, it's it's nice I to know. know what you're going to get ahead of time because sometimes <laughs> I go to places and it's like, like, dude, you're trying too hard. Like, just I, all I wanted was a pizza. I didn't want like all this weird stuff on it, you know. But I always <laughs> love being able to support those local restaurateurs, and as long as they can accommodate my pepperoni habit, then then I'm happy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We're right on. Well. I know like right now, like when we're talking, you're up in Lake Tahoe and then, you know, obviously you live in there in Sedona and we travel, uh, meet up in uh, different places around the country for FinCon and everything else. So with all the, with all that travel that you do, like, what do you use to have a great experience and that you can share with the, with the audience? Like, so what's your best travel tip? I'd have to say that I am a big Airbnb fan and We have Airbnbs, my husband and I, in Sedona. And I think something about being a host has also allowed me to really learn the ropes of picking the best Airbnbs all around the world to travel to. 
I've found that my husband and I love the flexibility of um, having a kitchen, having a washing machine and dryer, having certain amenities that a hotel room doesn't provide. And so for me, when I know that I found the right place to stay through like Airbnb, I know the trip's going to be fabulous. And so I'm just really clear about what do I need there and do they have it? If not, then I'll bring it or I'll know that I can buy it. But I'm very amenity focus, like just need these certain things. And if I have these certain things like a kitchen and laundry and a really good mattress, like I'm good to go. And so I've learned the system and it's, it's really been beneficial for me. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, cause I've, I've only stayed at Airbnb once and I had, I had a great experience. The host was very responsive and everything like that. So that was fantastic. But I think part of it is sometimes people have bad experiences partly maybe because their expectations are bad or maybe they, they found a property that was kind of like sketchy. Right. And so, like you said, like knowing the ins and outs of it and knowing what to look for and what to avoid, that's a huge skill to have that will ensure you have a great experience where you're staying. Yeah. My husband and I are both total clean freaks. And so it's funny because in the notes for our Airbnbs, people will say like, this is the cleanest Airbnb I've ever stayed in. And so watching that I know that I'm looking for those same kind of comments in the things that I rent. Like if I don't see, if I see anything about cleanliness being off, that would be more of a trend. You know, hair isn't going to make you a place bad because it's almost impossible to make them go sure. away completely. <laughs> but like if you see consistent notes of like, this just didn't feel clean to me. Oh no, that could wreck a whole entire trip. And so cleanliness is a big deal to me. And I think that it pays off. Our business is really successful and people come back because they appreciate that. And we attract a certain clientele who values that more than other people. And they take better care of our Airbnbs as a result. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's like a virtuous cycle, right? Like you, you take care of yours, you attract the guests that, that favor that, and then they help you take care of it and reward you with stays so that way you can keep reinvesting into your business. That's fantastic. Speaking of business, Lisa, can you tell the audience about, a little bit about like who you are and what you do? So I am a money coach, speaker, author. I wrote a book called The Mindful Millionaire. A big part of moving to Sedona was actually giving me the space to write that book. And the book is, I've been a longtime money expert and I'm an MBA in finance and I was a certified financial planner but I was really interested in helping people understand their relationship with money and what could be different as a result of understanding that relationship. Like not just, you know, for fun of it, but like, how can you build wealth for yourself? How can you stop having the same problems that you've been having all your life with money? Or how can you take your wealth to the next level? And so I like teaching people about that. And that's what my book does. And so I've been hosting retreats in Sedona that bring people to, you know, the beauty of Sedona, but also to look at their relationship with money, look at their goals. A lot of my clients are entrepreneurs and they are wanting to save more money or invest more money or kind of go from being successful as an entrepreneur to becoming successful as an investor. And it's not so much of what you do. It's the mindset that I help people with. It's like uncovering the, the patterns of thought and behavior that are not helping you. And I help people change those behaviors to create wealth and abundance in their lives. That's amazing. I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody that attends, like they come out so much better on the, on the backside as well. 
Lisa, I've learned so much about Sedona and I, I really appreciate your business doing so many great things for people as well. If somebody wants to learn more about your book, about your, your retreats or about Sedona, what's the best way to reach on social media? On social media, I am at Lisa, L-E-I-S-A, Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook at Lisa Peterson. Well, fantastic. We'll definitely include links to all these in the show notes. And again, Lisa, it's been great talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Come to Sedona. You'll love it. What a wonderful conversation with Lisa. I have so many fond memories of visiting Sedona as a kid, and I can't wait to bring my kids there to go hiking and explore its natural beauty. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to Lisa's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Sedona. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner in today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can stay wrinkle-free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEE to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we visit French Lake, Indiana, to speak with my new friend, Brandy Ream, the executive director of Visit French Lick West Baden. In this episode, Brandy and I talk about taking a ride on the French Lick Scenic Railway, attending the 100 Days of Lights Holiday Festival, and seeing the 200-foot dome at West Baden Resort. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.